Welcome to the Dare to Care podcast, brought to you by HR Culture. And now here's your host, Susan Judd. Hi, listeners. It's Susan Judd here. Welcome to our Dare to Care podcast. And welcome to our guest today, Mr. Mark Morrison, the principal of Maclay Valley Vocational College in Kempsey, which is located on the mid-north coast of New South Wales. I'm really honoured today to have Mark join us. Listeners, you may know a little bit about Mark Morrison, or maybe Sir, as his students might call him. Mark was interviewed about his school that he's principal of on the ABC's Australian Story, which aired back in November 2009, when the world seemed, at least to me, more certain and sure. Mark was honoured in this year's Australia Day Awards with an Order of Australia medal, and I'm honoured and delighted to have him as our guest. Listeners, I usually ask our, ask our guests the same five questions about advice and information that might assist our Generation Zs, who are between the ages of, let's say, 10 and uh, 22, in navigating and preparing for the modern workplace. To give you some context for this episode, it's currently the 24th of March, 2020, and the world and Australia is currently at a diff- differing yet similar stages in navigating the COVID-19 virus, or as we otherwise call it, coronavirus. So with that context today, I'm refining my usual questions for Mark to gain his perspectives on his environment at the college and how he is working with his students and families to navigate those challenges. So please give a warm welcome to Mr. Mark Morrison. Uh, hi everyone, Mark Morrison. A little bit about myself. I, uh, I've got no hair. <laughs> I run a, a pretty privileged, I run a, a school for young people who are uh, disenfranchised or young people who need, I guess, extra support to encourage them to use their strengths in life and be aware of their strengths. You know, a lot of people don't know a lot about themselves until other people you know give them a thumbs up with what they're good at a lot of people Mm. seem to search for you know what their I guess less abilities are so we try and give our students encouragement to seek and work in areas that they feel strong courageous and uh, focused in. It's a lovely introduction to who you are because um, some of the questions I've got for you are a little bit on the curly side today because of because of the global situation, I thought it was a really interesting perspective to see and hear some of your thoughts about how you're navigating the current, the current world with your students and their families and even your, your teachers. I think it's going to be a really interesting discussion. So to get started, I'm going to ask you my first question. And that is question number one. What are some of the immediate challenges that you're facing or your students or teachers are facing during the current COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, I, I would, I think it's every person, not just my students and my staff and their families. A lot of my students have, uh, yeah, unusual families, shall we say, or, mm. or different families to what other people have. Their domestic situations are fairly challenging. But I think we're all in, it's uncertain times. For most of us, especially people in your position and my position, mm. we live on a basis of, of things that are certain. We, we have not only a lot of control about what's happening, 
but uh, we we often clear paths for where we want other things to work and we we have directional change you know within our organizations you know we can influence uh, situational change on a, on a daily basis uh, and we can do that you know through understanding where people are or or through just our own experiences in life well we haven't experienced this um, so this is yeah, you know, I. where have we come from? I guess it's, I talk to my staff regularly about the fact that we need to be grateful for the opportunities that we have, um, have had in our own lives and recognise the fortunes that we've had. But I was able to talk to the whole community about that because I spoke to them about the lucky country that we have lived in, mm. you know, the fact that, food is accessible even though we provide all our students with food every day food is accessible to to all of us that that i know uh you know and if it's not well most people know places they can go and find it and definitely the health system is probably taken for granted in the country because we have a great health system and we have access to to health and a lot of us have access to transport well the uncertainty around you know the coronavirus at the moment is that we actually don't have all of that access you saw what's happening elsewhere and i'm sure some of it's happening in kempsey i just don't leave work early enough to know that um but you know the the worry the concern the uh the the stress and the strain that it puts on normal functioning adults who would then go to lengths to argue you know over what they deem as a necessity in life, you know, whereas mm. the necessity in life for us is really the fact that, you know, we, we, we have all of these wonderful opportunities and most of us haven't gone, and I'm not talking for my students, uh, most of my staff haven't gone without significant food at, at times in their life and they know where to get it from. You know, my students haven't, there's been no fuss for them when people are going, hey, there's no bread there, and they go, well, so what? We only get it if Mark brings it to us. Yeah. Um, you know, so there, there is some equality that's happening uh, here um, because as adults we're in a position of uncertainty and a lot of my students have been in places of uncertainty for their whole lives. Yeah, so they're actually, they're actually more resilient in this than I am. Yeah, and it makes you think, okay, well, it's giving your, your you know, the, you and the people around you, your team, a perspective, a real perspective of what some of your students have lived with forever. That's right. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, which is good. It's good. Okay. Do job on that question? Yeah, let's, yeah, great job. I'm going to go on to the second question. So what are the strategies that you've been implementing for your students? And let's insert team there, yeah. uh, students or team, whilst um, we're being impacted? You know, what are some of the strategies that you're talking to your team about, I guess, and your students? Yeah, I think there's a, I think there's a lot of focus, obviously, in, in let's say, mainstream schools uh, around the provision of, you know, electronic forms of lessons, of video lessons, etc. A, a lot of my students don't have access to that. So, you know, that the, work for you? Yeah. <laughs> well, when when less than forty percent of them have mobile phones, and and you mm. know, I think household, I probably out of one hundred and thirty seven that are here, maybe two, maybe maybe four 
would have access to internet within their homes. So, you know, for us to do that, that's a bit different. Um, I and my staff, thankfully, you know, I'm a pretty blessed person with my staff. You know, they, they identify with the purpose of why they're here. We try and find ways to engage and to allow people to allow the students to become confident in what they're doing and therefore our knowledge or our relational trust with them um, is a highly successful component of education. Therefore, the young people who want to stay away because they are worried about the virus or, or some who stayed away today are actually worried about coming in and maybe bringing some bugs in from where they've been. So they've offered to come in at different times. So they're, they're actually on deck at the moment um, and having a shower and getting some stuff done. Um, you know, some are having lessons at the moment and I know it's late. Well, you probably don't have a clock around there, but I'm sure it's close to six, maybe after six. Yeah, 6.30. Yeah, and, and so I've got people who are doing that because, one, I've got a very generous staff. Uh, two, we're able to, you know, move within the guidelines to make these things function. Like our, our question is at college always, what are the needs of the young person? And then how can we best identify and serve those needs that doesn't put a, a huge stress and strain on other people, <laughs> bar me, um, and allows allows those those honesty sessions to develop. So So there are students who've asked for some work to go home with. Uh, what needs to be put in place for that? Well, one, uh, when it goes home, I don't have validated evidence of them doing that because on your recording this video, well, we could do that if we're online, but if they, if the domestic situation they're in tonight is not the same for tomorrow and they've left that work there, there is no evidence of what they're doing. So, so we might need to not go, hey, you didn't bring that in. We might go, hey, listen, let's just have a little bit of a one-on-one -on -one conversation around what was in that. We're just going to press record on the button and we'll see how that goes. And if there's enough evidence provided or it might be sit down with some material that's like that and say, okay, well, let's give you some time to do this. So different methods will be employed um, across the board for different young people and for what they need, you know. So... So my first question I have of you, which is, you know, off, off my agenda, is, yeah. is then, okay, so you don't have, your students don't typically have the capacity for, you know, online learning. So they're taking home, some of them are taking home, you know, work to do. As you say, they might not, um, you know, that might not come back to school tomorrow. Um, so and so you're doing another version. So are, are you finding that, um, you know, that, that are you thinking that that's going to continue, that we'll still keep doing the face-to-face? -face? What happens if, what happens, and I mean everything's a bit like up in the air, isn't it, because we don't actually know what's going to happen next. We just watch the news and wait for what's going to happen next. Um, but what happens if the instructions say, okay, schools go into lockdown or schools locked out what happens then ah uh, there'll be a lot of people angry with me i guess mm. uh, probably first and foremost my wife um what will we do so young people are still going to need food they're still going to need contact you know a lot of the the young people that are associated with college some are mums with bubs um you know college is an essential service for them rather than mm. just a, a place of 
education. It's a place where they gather, um, you know, that, that feeling of belonging to community. It's a chance where uh, they can feel safe. It's a chance it's like where they can... It's a family in some ways, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I hate to think maybe like a great-grandpa I am rather than anything else. Yeah, no, You're not that old. Just because you've got a beard doesn't mean <laughs> you're a great-grandpa. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, so, you know, that's the kind of support, I guess, that I was thinking of, you know, how if schools are instructed to shut down. Yeah. What is that? And how are we going to do it? Well, my, mm. my staff, so today... Uh, you know, earlier on this afternoon, I suggested to a number of my staff who I think are in a vulnerable position that, uh, you know, their, their uh, best case scenario for being around these young people is probably that they should take some time away and mm-hmm. they need to look after themselves. Um, mm-hmm. And as you'd expect, a lot of them are a bit devastated around that. Yeah. But they do understand the need to do that given mm-hmm. the nature of what's happening. Uh, and the rest of the staff will pick up on what we're offering. So we will still offer the essential services. What do I mean by that? I mean it's a safe place, and if if school itself is told to shut, uh, then school as a school will close. But Mm. the opportunity for us to, you know, go and make sure people are okay, to stay in touch with them, uh, I think people mistake the term of schools shutting as students being isolated and mm. I, th- I could think nothing worse than the young people who have formed some trust and some recognition of um, you know services that they gain through us to not be available because we're not available mm. how that will look in the future it, it's uncertain that's what I answered your first question with I'm yeah. not sure yeah. have I prepared for some of this I have because if you don't prepare uh, you're a fool so I think at some at some stage, you know, it, it is uncertain, but are we preparing with having some food available? Yes, we are. Have I spoken to some staff, and not just staff, have I spoken to some students who are leaders within our community now about the need for us to maybe come in and get some cooking done and freeze some meals for what we need to do for the future with some of the food that we've got available at the moment? Yes, uh, have I identified that normally I would go house to house and beep and on my deliveries at night time mm-hmm. and uh, therefore, you know, kids, etc., will all come out. Uh, I have tried and one of my other staff members is delivering food now as well so that, you know, if something does happen to either one of us, there's, there's someone else in that mould. So you, you do need to make plans for the unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, or things that we're uncertain for. But I am certain that we will continue to provide the mental health service that these young uh, people who are facing various traumas that, you know, thankfully I, I haven't experienced in my life, um, mm-hmm. to be around, to be supports, to know that there is a place that they can uh, come to here. You know, if they get told that they have to be isolated and they don't have uh, a safe domestic location, um, that's a challenge in itself and, and I've actually brought that up at a level higher than me, uh, you know, with people around as to what are we going to do with, you know, mass numbers of these kids. I have been, uh, has been identified or suggested to me from, you know, medical practitioners that they're probably not going to be as sick as others but we don't want them wandering around the streets if they are sick. Yeah. So there's some of the other things that we need to, to think of and, and what we need to do and hence, with all of that information, 
there was a definite need for me to start saying to some of my staff who are more vulnerable um, that you need to take some time and hopefully they might might be able to do some of these other things that I'm looking at us doing and putting into place in the future because we could be in this position. You know, we, t- we talk today about the next three months, but really we could, could be talking six to nine months. Mm. Uh, and it's that uncertainty that, that poses questions, you know, to people. Um, our kids, our, our young people associated at college, are, they live in that uncertainty, um, but college is a certainty for them. For them it's the yeah. place that, that they rely on. So um, we need to think outside the box and be semi-prepared for what we've got to do. Mm. And, you know, I, I'm not saying that it's winter yet, but I've got a few tents. It would be great if the mozzies were gone. Um, and we can laugh at that, but if that's what we've got, to, and I'm, I'm not having a sledge at anyone who's laughing, um, mm. that could end up being a real thing, you know, mm. to help some of these kids be in a place where uh, they're away from what's going on, you know. And they can stay, yeah, that's right. stay in a safe place. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so I'll yeah. probably get into big trouble for that, but once yeah. again, that's okay. Mark, you know... <laughs> The, the times we've spoken, I always think you you live in a totally different world, don't you, than the majority of us. And let's call it a non-traditional. A non-traditional world. Um, I live in a world, I live in a world, and this is going to sound really weird uh, probably, but I live in a world where I have so many things to be grateful for every day, Not not about what my life's like on the outside, but with how much trust these young people bring into college and to and to see on a daily basis how how keen they are and and society will say people don't want jobs they don't want school yeah so i, I am gratitude i am grateful uh, and what's an example of grateful well i, I had oh, i have two today so one was the trust of a young person who was required to go to court and they were in court 200 kilometres away from here, yet their first reaction was to come here and to come here not in an angry, frustrated or upset state, but to come here saying, this is what I've done, this is what I've tried to do and this is not working. And the second one is for a young mum uh, who came in today, and and these are just examples straight off the spot, uh, Mm. who came in and said to me, that um, her children were not allowed uh, at a a school today. And the reason they weren't allowed at a school today is because she's not in a job. Um, And so instead of doing what was probably meant to happen, you know, for her family for years and years where she would get, you know, erupt and just go, what do you mean in in different figures of language that I hear every day? Mm. She came here to say, look, this is the situation. What can we do? Because me coming to school to get year 12 and my kids going to to school so that I can do that, that is actually, that's important to me. Um, And... that didn't happen for today, but because of because of her trust and her understanding of the right way to do it, what did her kids witness? Her, her two children witnessed someone not getting angry, someone mm. saying, okay, well, well, that's, that's your rules for today. Thank you. Picking the kids up, us taking them home, organising some stuff there for them, uh, and then having a conversation with, you know, the the 
principal of the other school who went, yeah, of course they can come. It was just a misunderstanding. And often things that happen in jobs, in workplaces, are a communication error. They're one person taking it one way and it being said the other. Um, and that's what happened. And so now she knows. Like, I can't begin to tell you the, the changes that will be in her children's lives because of that one situation. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm grateful every day. And, and you don't want to hear about some of the other stuff I face. Yeah. You know I do, but no, we'll stop there. <laughs> uh, okay, so that actually, that conversation about gratitude and your gratitude um, is a beautiful segue into my next question, which is how are you assisting your students to remain positive and focused? Yeah, well, talk, yeah, yeah, definitely. Talk to them about the opportunities uh, that VC presents itself as. So, you know, vocational college and Gindaburi for the young mums, uh, you know, and the RTO access. Uh, I talk to them about it being an opportunity rather than a right. You know, people see education as a right, and, and I agree, you know, across everywhere in the world, education should be something that is promoted for all young people, irrespective of who they are, where they come from, what their actions are. We need, we're the adults, we need to find ways to make education suitable uh, for young people. But VC started from a community organisation and a wonderful lady, Jan Eason, who, who had that foresight in saying that there are more people out there than she knew about at the time and she needed to establish something. And I remind them that if we don't, if we don't respect and value and be grateful for the opportunities we have, then we're going to, not only are we going to miss the opportunities, but our, you know, their children in the future and their families will. And we, we then roll that into, okay, what is something that you can pay forward or what is something that you can give back to community because of what you've done? And we're really privileged here, as, as I know a number of schools are with, you know, alumni that return or ex-students that return but they return here and they do give back they share in those stories they they do things that um you know that we would find we would find challenging you know someone smashing mm. something up and they're there having the conversation you know not being reactive as they were yeah. but remaining calm showing that resilience and tolerance of others and that understanding of this person in that volatile position has lost their pride. They've lost, you know, their self-faith or their self-belief in themselves. It's like an argument between uh, two colleagues, you know, at work or, or a boss and someone underneath. Someone yeah. has to recognise, you know, what are the things underneath that are creating this issue mm. and then be the generous person or be the empathetic person or be the authentic person and, and say okay, that's all right, I'm just going to stand back and be calm and you take this where you want to go and afterwards there's no regrets about our conversation but I'll pick up on these other points and we can talk about how we can deal with those and and we do that on a daily basis and it's it's absolutely wonderful to see students who've graduated from here come back and do the same thing or even, even and, and I have pride for here but even more so, I get comments back from people that they work for who mm. say to me, oh, you know, this was happening in there and they just walked out like there wasn't a problem. Yeah. They just walked out, sat down, listened to the person going off and said, you know, we don't want other people here in the conversation. What if we go around here and we have a chat? And it's... Yes, it's, it's rewarding. 
Yeah, it's unreal. Unreal. So, um, you know, I know you haven't looked at my questions, but that was a perfect segue into the next one, which is um, the sorts of critical skills that, uh, you know, that you're getting the people around you. And I'm going to, so it's just easier for me to say that both your students and your teachers to focus on the critical skills that you're getting them to focus on during the, 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 the current uncertain times. I think the number one skill is to <laughs> look. It's been given many, many names in in clinical circles. People will call it active listening, but but to listen honestly, and and we all judge. So when people say to listen without judgment, they're actually lying, um, because I'm trying really hard not to judge all the time. You you, you have all these thoughts that are in your head. Filters, but, isn't there? We filter yeah. through through our, we filter everything through our own filter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Through our own experiences. So mm. I guess. The, the opportunity to, you know, to think that, you know, the old saying, we've got two ears and one mouth, so let's use them in proportion. Well, you know, I talk to people about the fact that we've got ears and we've got eyes and we pick up vibes in what we're looking at and seeing before we need to talk. Um, you know, just being with someone and, and sharing with them is really important because, those people, the people that you're sharing with will often pay back that trust in that moment of weakness a million times to you. Uh, and if it's not to you because they feel that, you know, you know too much personally about them, they will pay that forward or back to the workplace that you're in or the community that you're in because of that, you know, whether that be a student, whether that be, you know, a colleague, whether that be someone who's visiting here who, who witnesses some of our eruptions or changes on a daily basis. Um, you know, I, I think the ability to remain patient and to be able to de-stress yourself, and I don't think enough people or enough leaders learn about their ability or what does stress feel like in them, um, mm. And listening is hard and therefore you need to have little actions in your listening um, that, sorry for the ums, the list, little actions in your listening that would make you more relaxed. And some of those for me would be when I'm really feeling stressed and you can say I'm not at the moment because I'm pretty bent, but I will let my arms hang loosely and I will try and feel, you know, blood flow to my extremities. Or I will do, you know, a, a breathing exercise while I'm listening to someone talking and, you know, squeeze my toes and, and listen and then, you know, when that argument's finished, relax it. And then when I'm having that conversation back again, uh, you know, think, okay, well, I squeeze my toes and that's what they spoke about. I squeeze my hands, I drop my shoulders. So they are actually indicators. So I don't need to write notes in that time. I can really listen. It's like um, it makes me think in my head when I'm listening to you, I'm thinking it's like wholehearted listening, isn't it? Whole, whole body, yeah. wholehearted listening. It is. It is whole body because people take all of those things. People, people leaders think, uh, I won't call them leaders, I call them managers. Managers think that you just need to nod and repeat some statements and it's all good. Make some notes, repeat that back and that's fine. But if you're not writing notes, if you have that ability to listen intently and then to share an honest conversation at the end about, you know, something, one point of it, I think you'll get a lot more done 
than taking 10 or 11 notes down from a conversation. Mm. Now, there might be something that you can actually work with that, that has a, 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 an emotional attachment for you as the person listening and you think to yourself, wow, I can do that. Not an emotional attachment in a deficit model and a lot of people do that. You know, they face a negative feeling. Um, you need to just dust that off because people are being honest with you. Dust off that, you know, learn from that yourself. Um, go back to your own thinking time about what, what that is about. Yeah. And I guess that makes me think reflecting on what filter or perspective or judgment I am making in this conversation. I, when you're talking, I'm thinking about your students and I'm thinking they would pick up in a heartbeat, I reckon, if you're oh, yeah. not listening to them. They'd call BS on that, I'm just saying. Oh, yeah, straight off. And they, they, they call it immediately. Yes, yeah. they know exactly where it is. Look, they have taught me so much. They have honestly taught me so much. You know, without without needing to find different ways to work with them. Some of the research that I've done individually, some of the, the study that I have, you know, around um, Jahari's window and, and different mechanisms, you know, SBI conversations, all of those things, you know, and there's a multitude of them. I'm just not going to start because if I start, we won't stop. Um <laughs> But, you know, our job as a, as a leader is to, is to take those things and not reenact, um, you know, as a, I don't know, a ladder of inference straight mm. from, the, from the start to the finish. It's about to see, use the, the technical bits of the ladder of inference or use the acknowledgement of gaps, you know, to, yeah. to work with that person. How is that real for that person we're working with rather than, oh, well, you know, ladder of inference says this is where they are, well, you've just judged them. Yes. Things need to flow. Yeah, yeah. Personalities are flowing, evolving and changing, and we can't use one fixed perspective on that. Yeah. Okay, well, with that in mind, you're up to your number five. All righty. I'm hoping my phone's going to last. Okay. If it's not, not, I'll ring you back. Make it short and sharp. Here we go. Final question. Best advice you can give young people um, in in the current uncertain times? What's your best advice? Uh, My best advice would be probably best advice. Wow. Uh, Twofold. One is that I I guess um, social distancing doesn't mean, doesn't mean only sitting two metres away from each other it does mean to make smarter choices about uh, what we're doing and what's important to us. And I think out of all of this, that's a wonderful lesson for us uh, as human beings. What, what coming back to where we are now, what is really important to us? And I think we'll find that, that our worry about isolation, our fear about the risk of being alone or not having people around is a real concern. So I guess my best advice to a non-Facebook person would be this time of isolation is time for you to get in touch with people that maybe have touched your life before that you haven't spoken to give them a phone call or use Facebook or use any other method that you like whether it's an email whether it's a short video the TikTok stuff my students were doing today because we did some TikTok stuff you know based around messages that we wanted to send out that show us still at school having a bit of fun um you know, they're, they're really good things. That will that will filter back to their own mental health and in turn 
that gesture for someone else will make someone else feel that they're not isolated. It will make them feel that uh, they are cared about because, you know, the significant things about worrying about things that we've taken for granted like food, transport, health, all of those things, along with isolation, can lead to some significant issues about people worried about what's going to happen. Well, we're not controlling what's going to happen at the moment and therefore let's work within the things that are in our control and mm. the things that are in our control are our own mental strengths and our own abilities to get in contact with people who make us feel good or who we want to feel good with because yeah. they're facing challenging times. And the last one would be please, when you're isolated, keep routine. Keep yeah. routine because if we don't keep some routine and some format to the day, we will lose the day, we will lose our personalities, we will lose ourselves if we just get lost in, you know, Netflix after Netflix after, you know, we need some routine. You know, Monday, as I said to my students today, we're going to start next Monday being a board game, you know, so it's a board game day. And my hope is that we'll be able to, I'll be able to give them out to people whether we're having classes or not. You know, Tuesday we're going to look at, you know, some some fun based around other activities, whether it's music, whether it's TikTok, whether it's stuff like that. So so we're actually saying here are routines to stick in on certain days and therefore you know you're looking forward to that. So, you know, the week after or the month after, you already know this is what we're doing. So in summary of that advice, I felt like this is my interpretation, maintain your human connection. Right. Yes, please. Connect, connect. At all costs. Yes. yes. Connect with people. And so this is why even, you know, this what you know, I'll tell the listeners, this podcast, we're looking at one another on on, you know, on the video, right? Um, because it's it's harder when we're not we don't see people. We lose that connection. So um and it and it just it gives us a better feeling when we, you know, when we can see one another. So that um and the other thing that I took away from that was Yes, routine, but with routine, resilience. Do things that make you feel good. And routine can give you that sort of sense of um, I feel good because I'm looking forward to something and when I'm looking forward to something, I become more resilient. Would that be? Perfect. I mean, when you do more, when you do more, you end up doing more, don't you? You want to do more. If you start the day with not doing anything, yeah. then it's really hard to pick something up in the day and do it. Yeah. Whereas if you start the day... Some way, some time, yep, and you've got goals. Things will happen for you at the end of the day. But, yes, human connection every time. My, my biggest worry for a number of young people who are out of school at the moment is just that connection. And, mm. uh, you know, my request to all of my staff and to my, my students, the young people that I'm with, the people I'll drop food off tonight is let's stay in touch. If you need me, you know where I am. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I 100% agree. I mean, it's a different, it's a totally different world and it's a totally different environment in, in your context, but the message remains the same. No matter where we are on the planet, um, no matter what our circumstances, we all crave human connection. That's us as humans, so we need to do the best we can to maintain that. And us together will do better than one of us alone. Yeah. Done. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Oh, thank oh, you, me, everyone. You know, <laughs> you know, you know how much I um, uh, admire and am inspired by you. I'm very, very grateful personally that you are on my podcast. 
um, <laughs> and you and you and you could spare the time because I know you've got to get out on yeah. the road and um, give yeah. some of your students there um, some food. Yeah. Uh, and that's really important part of what you do. So um, they're really. I'll leave on this. The students are really good in letting me know who else needs food. If they don't necessarily need it, it might not be a student from here, it might be another family. Mm. They just go, hey, Moz, why don't you go and try down here? You know, yeah. that they really are awesome in that in that scope, you know, and that's that's somewhere I've never been before because... Yeah, it's, it's fabulous that, that they've got that. So I want to say thank you, Mark, um, for being the guest on our podcast today. Um, we've lost listeners. We've lost Mark. His connection's dropped out. Um, but I'm very, very blessed and grateful that he's joined us today. Uh, so a big shout out to Mark Morrison and his uh, and his students and teachers at Maclay Valley Vocational College in Kempsey. I hope that you've enjoyed uh, our podcast today. It's um, uncertain times. Uh, it's difficult times and challenging times. Many people. Um, over the last couple of days in Australia anyway, have lost their, lost their certainty, lost their jobs, lost, closed their businesses down for who knows how long. Uh, so I'm very grateful to Mark and um, I'll be, uh, I'll, let's hope that we, uh, we see an end to this soon. And everybody, please stay safe as we navigate, uh, as we navigate, navigate the next three to six months, hopefully, we see a change sooner um, but uh, thanks for joining me today and uh, thank you so much to Mark Morrison see you next time on our Dare to Care podcast right, this is Susan Judd uh, if you have enjoyed our podcast today please uh, give us a five star review on your uh, podcast of choice Apple podcast or Spotify um, we would love and we would also love to hear from you on our Facebook page at Dead Care. Uh, so please uh, give, us your, give us your feedback. Uh, thanks very much, listeners, and see you next time. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Dare to Care podcast. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or find out more about HR Culture and Dare to Care by going to hrculture.com.au. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 